Maybe you want to write a book, launch your tarot business, or even fall in love. You'll learn neuroscience techniques and sacred rituals from mental health professional Bryn Bamber. That's me. Everything you need to take that next step towards your purpose. Okay. We're just going to kind of jump in. Jana and I were talking before we hit record and we got on a topic that was kind of interesting. So we're just going to kind of continue with our conversation. But before we do that, Jana, maybe just take a minute to introduce yourself and tell the people what you do. Okay. I'm Jana and I'm a core energetics practitioner. I've been you know, I have a private practice. I have a program that I co-facilitate in Toronto with Angela I from Los Angeles. And I run groups. And I used to be a TV showrunner until I found core and therapy and realized that I didn't want to make television. I wanted to be a therapist. And I'm married. I have two teenagers. And I've lived in Toronto my whole life. Wow, your kids yeah. are teenagers. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. And I'm glad to do this because we're going to talk about the lower self. Someone once said it is the jewel in the crown of core energetics. It is uh, <laughs> like the, for me anyway, almost like one of the most important elements. Yeah. And I invited you on to talk about the lower self or I sometimes call it like the animal anger or the animal the mammalian part of us or the reptile brain sometimes to try and like not see it as a negative thing I mean it is anyways we'll we'll dig into it but I had been noticing the love max which we're like jumping into a bunch of core energetic jargon but so for everyone listening the love mask is when you are not happy (laughs) deep down but you have this kind of like literally on your face I have been noticing it on people's faces this like smile or this like kind of happy exterior when I've been noticing it recently when people are talking about issues that are not happy issues and where there I can feel there's like a deep anger about what they're talking about, but their face is not matching. Mm -hmm. It's like, even though they're talking about the environment, or, you know, a social justice issue that they're passionate about, there's this kind of smile on their face or serenity to their face. And my sense, I mean, I don't know for sure, but my sense is there's like a deep rage Mm. that is underneath. I knew that it was kind of a topic that you were passionate about and so I wanted to talk to you about it and I guess the first thing I want to start with is like how do you define the lower self let's start by defining it for everyone listening and then why do you think it's important to connect with it like what's the cost is the the question I really want to ask when we don't when we suppress this part of us okay so what is the lower self We each come into the world as children with a lot of flow, a lot of access to all of our emotions, but no consciousness. So you see that children move easily from big feeling state to big feeling state. They're very alive. And 
inevitably that aliveness will meet the limitations of their environment. So some part of their energy will get said no to by their, their parent, their caregivers, their religion, their school. And, you know, as they're developing, when they get met with that, no, they have to do something with it. And the reason they do that is because we're an attachment species that needs to stay connected to our community, to our parents in order to survive. We're helpless for a very long time. We, you know, unlike other mammals, we don't come into full maturity or able, you know, able to take care of ourselves for over, you know, like into our teens, you know, into our late teens. So that the biological imperative to remain connected is deep and it's about survival. And even though we can't articulate this as children on some deep level, we know that we have to maintain this connection. And when we feel our parents pull away from us or say and give us a no to our sexuality, our, our need, our autonomy, you know, what do we do to keep the connection with that? We have to stop our energy in some way. And we make a decision in that moment to shut off a part of ourselves in order to stay connected to our caregivers. And that, and to not feel the pain, terror, rage that comes up in us when we're, we're caught between this decision of be, be ourselves or, or connect to our parents. We stop that pain and that's the formation of the lower self. It's basically our no to our aliveness. And then it manifests, and that all sounds kind of abstract, <laughs> but it manifests in life, in our resistance, in our, in our, in our sort of strategy that we, like we form an adaptation strategy as, as to how we get by in the world. And this original decision to, to turn against ourselves gets suppressed and it has to get unearthed, which we can talk about like in sort of more specific detail, but that's the overarching way that I see it. Yeah. And maybe before we go to my next question, just give like one example of the way that it would be maybe someone in adulthood would be like suppressing it, like just sure romantic relationship or a job or whatever example feels right. Right. So let's say I'll use like a very universal example around need. So babies have the endless need, enormous need, so much need, they need to be fed, they need comfort, they need constant care. And it's too much for any adult, even the most well intentioned adult to constantly and perfectly meet that need. So when the child is crying out from their need, and their need you know, doesn't get met in some way, like they're left too long, or they're, they feel the parents anger at that they need too much. They have to make a decision, not on an intellectual level, but biologically, it's like, do I, there's a sort of agony that comes from being in so much need, and not having it met, you know, and also feeling the caregiver pull away from them, you know, the anger or the exhaustion or whatever they're sensing. So a lot of people learn to mute their need and say, I won't need, right. you know, I won't need. And uh, you have the need. I don't need anything. 
and then all that pain of the original feelings of, of emptiness or of, of having all this need that didn't get met gets suppressed. And they go, people go through life unwilling to connect with their need. And, but it doesn't go away. There's still need there. It just comes out in ways that actually end up stopping them from getting what they want. So people, people make various decisions, you know, in this lower self place. I won't need, I won't love, I won't have my power. And it's not that explicit. It's not conscious. You can just see it in people's lives. You know, they won't connect to their hearts or they won't connect to their their, their power, their, their anger, power. their need, their, yeah, their sexuality, like, um, they make decisions in, in early childhood that they don't even, they didn't make consciously and they don't remember right. making. Yeah. Um, and so g- going into the lower self, going into the place they've made a decision to disconnect from a part of themselves and feeling the pain underneath that decision is what allows you to reconnect and ultimately maybe get what you want in the world, you know, in a different way. So uncovering that unconscious, like something I always think is like the way your life is set up in some ways is the way you want it. Right. You know, so if something's not happening unconsciously, if something's not happening the way you want, like if you're always, I mean, this is not going to be a popular take, but um, (laughs) if you can't figure out a way to make money, if you can't figure out a way to get in a relationship, you're not just uniquely unlucky, you know? there's something going on that you're doing. You're repelling money for some reason. You're repelling relationship. It's not that you're bad. There's, there's something underneath that you don't want to feel. Something happened when you were a kid that made you make this decision, which was a good decision at the time, right? When we're kids, we do need, we, we need our caregivers to give us everything that we need. And so we have to make these choices. And then it's like, we're young, our neural pathways get wired in a certain way at that young age. And then we take that into adulthood where we don't have to people please, if that was your strategy as a kid to get what you needed. Right. We don't necessarily need to do that with, you know, the people in our life as adults, but we're so used to doing it, we don't even know. Right. And people pleasing is the way we learn how to get connection, but it's not real connection. Right. Because we're we're not really being real. We're trying to please people to get something, you know, we're kind of giving something in order to get, which is not the same as just coming directly from our need. But if we had this injury as a child, coming from our need is such a scary thing because right. we have an assumption that it's going to go badly, you know, right. because it did all those years ago. Yeah. yeah. So it can be terrifying to ask for help or exactly. it can be terrifying to take a stand, like a non-people pleasing stand <laughs> right. about something that matters to you. And because this child did experience something really this young part of you did experience something really challenging right so yeah that we're kind of getting into this already but like yeah what is the cost of suppressing our lower self connection to ourselves and to others real connection to ourselves you know in who we I mean yeah, I would say like, there's more than that. But what is the cost 
you know, so many of us are, you know, have learned to betray ourselves over right. and over again. What is the cost of self-betrayal, even little self-betrayals? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Little things like your friend wants to meet for coffee on Tuesday and Tuesday you're slammed, but you meet her anyways. Right. And we do these micro betray, like that's like a micro betrayal. Mm -hmm. But if you do that 10 times in a week, by the end of the week, you're just so much more exhausted than if you yeah. had said, you know, Tuesday doesn't work. Right. Can we do Friday or can we do the week after? Like, right. there are these little things that drain us, maybe not hugely, but they drain us a little bit. And if, but it's kind of like this chipping away if you do that again and again and again. Yeah. You're also, you're breeding resentment and bitterness. Right. You know, if somebody asks you to take care of their cat and you feel like you have to say yes, but you don't want to, you do it. And then you create this sort of tension in yourself where you're kind of angry because, and then also on some level you feel owed, you know, you're going right. to feel like people owe you. You're going to feel like the world owes you. Like if you're going to betray yourself, other people should betray themselves. Right. If they don't, you're going to be so pissed at them. This is a way of doing relationship. In fact, that's the way a lot of people are taught to be in relationship, which is we each, we use each other as objects. You do something for me and I do something for you that I don't want to do. And you then you do something you don't want to do. And that's how relationship is, you know? And there's another way to do relationship that isn't like that, but that's, and that's a lot more relaxing and fulfilling, but that isn't what people were taught in their families right. of origin. You know, it's not anybody's fault. Right. Yeah, I think that's important to say that, yeah, we were socialized in certain ways and raised in environments where we had to do things certain ways. And when I think about like my own history with people pleasing, which was definitely a part of mm -hmm. my growing up and adulthood and learning to, you know, you had the example of making money. I first learned how to make money through people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of how I learned to get my needs met. So when I think about my early jobs, it was really about having this kind of codependent relationship with my boss, mm -hmm. where I was like reading her, all her emotions and patting her on the back. And in return, she was patting me on the back. Neither of us were always telling the whole truth. Right. And when I started to learn to make money a different way which for me was starting my practice it was it didn't work initially it was hard because it was like I knew how to make money and I was good at making money this one way where I kind of was betraying myself mm -hmm. and then I didn't know how to make it another way and I mean starting a business is a whole you know mm -hmm. can of worms but there was this transitional period where I was just bad. Right. Yeah, of course, in any, that's the courage, right? Like you went, it's required. Why would you leave something that you were good at to be more yourself and then have to also feel this period of time where you're just bad at it and you're making so many mistakes and it's not, you're not being validated, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a real courageous thing to do. Yeah. I mean, when people change, I think this is something like I try to prep people for, like, it doesn't feel that good initially, you know, in a certain kind of way, like, 
it can be very uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, people don't like it. Like I do a lot of work with my clients on boundaries. One of the things I say is when you start having boundaries, there will be some people who do not like it. That means you are doing it right. Right. You, you also wrong. may not like it. You know, you also may not like the feelings that you have to tolerate right. when you have boundaries, you know, yeah. it, it might bring up a lot of feelings for you. Like maybe even feelings of like blaming other people for the fact that you should even have to have boundaries. Yeah. It's a whole, cause we're taking these agreements, these unwritten agreements that were written a lot for a lot of us in our families, primarily, and then they extend to other areas of our lives. But there are all these unwritten, unspoken agreements Mm -hmm. that we're adhering to. And then if you stop playing by the game, it's deeply uncomfortable for you. It's deeply unknown. It's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for the people, the other people who are in this this unspoken agreement before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't feel good yeah. necessarily yeah. at the beginning and and also in time it can things kind of in my experience anyways things kind of rejig mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when you change there's this like transition period that's often not very uncomfortable for everybody right <laughs> including yeah. you and then there's, there's a new configuration that happens right yeah I found that to be true as well so if people listening are people pleasers or perfectionists or, you know, not asking for help, not bringing their full need, not expressing their anger, mm-hmm. what are some like baby steps people can take to start to connect to their lower selves or their lower self? And well, the thing about the lower self is it's a place in us that want that is disowned and that wants to be hidden. It's a place that wants to punish, wants to disconnect. It gets pleasure from cruelty because this thing that happens, like an organism has to feel pleasure to want to live. So when we, you know, have this horrible experience that we all had in childhood, these various injuries, you know, that where where something in our environment says no to us, and we have to do something to keep the connection. We have to find a way to make cutting ourselves off pleasurable. And all this stuff has to be kind of felt through to get to the pain underneath. And the lower self, it doesn't want to come into the light. It just doesn't, you know, mostly we're in blame. And you can tell because, I mean, that's the easiest place to go. I'm trying to think, I mean, usually we need help to find the lower self, at least initially, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't want to be revealed. If we reveal it, then we have to give up all the pleasure we're having in our negativity. And who wants to do that? Mm. You know, like when you were talking about the mask level, like that Mm -hmm. fake smile, you know, (laughs) like nobody wants to reveal their negativity their cruelty, their, they don't, they're attached to being a nice person that they have a certain way that they see themselves, which is why when we look, we work with the lower self, the most important first step is for a person to really feel their goodness, you know, is to really hold that in their, in their essence, you know, in their soul, they're good. Because if we don't really know our goodness, 
it's too threatening to go into our negativity, to, to go into our darkness. You know, we won't expose it, you know, because right. we'll feel like it makes us all bad. We, right. And we have to protect our goodness. So I don't think I really answered your question. Your question is, how can we help? How would you suggest to someone that you help them try to look for? Okay, so imagine there's a problem in your life, like in your relationship, where somebody, you feel like somebody's really being awful to you. You know, you really feel victimized by their behavior in some way, you know, and you feel very justified like very much like you are good and they are bad, Hmm. let's say. Mm -hmm. And you have this feeling like there's really nothing for you to own on your side. You know, it's really all them. So if you feel that, if you feel a lot of sort of self-righteous justification in any area of your life, you are in the presence of your own hidden, disowned lower self. It's a bit still feels like a bit abstract. I'd like to like give something more explicit, you know? Yeah, I think one thing that was coming up for me when you were talking, so maybe we should have said this earlier, but you know, you and I did the train same training at the uh-huh. at the same school and Jana for everyone listening is the person who actually introduced me to core energetics originally years so, ago. Years ago. She is my gateway, my gateway core energetics person. Mm-hmm. What, what was coming up for me that was interesting is that one of the ways that I like to describe it and work with it when people are starting out is, yeah, the, the part of us that is greedy and lustful and that we all have and that we all mostly pretend we don't have <laughs> and that when we get hurt, for example, it's very natural to want to be enraged and to want to hurt that person back. Right. It is very natural. But the place where we feel we are justified, you right. know, justified exactly. in unleashing, you know, and, and actually, I'm so glad you say that because in, in, you know, what happens is the lower self looks for acceptable targets to discharge onto. So acceptable target, Donald Trump. You are allowed to have your full, go ahead and dehumanize that man. You know, go ahead, like, go ahead and say all, you know, your unleash your full negativity and nobody will judge you. You know, you're allowed to be the, you know, to have that because it's an acceptable target. And even more, you'll get cheered, you know, you'll, you'll be part of a tribe. Well, and then everyone has this relief of discharge and we all discharge our, our lower selves onto Donald Trump together, you know, it's this right. like, and there's pleasure in that, yeah. right? Because he deserves it, right? Yeah. You know, if you feel that it's like, he deserves it. So I'm allowed to be cruel to be dehumanizing, because look how bad he is, right? You know, nobody wants to give up their cruelty. They just don't want to be outcasted for it. They want an acceptable target for it. So pedophiles are an acceptable target. You know, white supremacists are an acceptable target. Harvey Weinstein's an acceptable target. Donald Trump's an acceptable target. These are people 
that you can say, you know, they should be killed. They should be wiped off the face of the earth. I hope they rot in prison. I hope everyone hates them forever, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's acceptable to say horrible things and Mm -hmm. no one's going to come at you. You get to have the deliciousness of your own viciousness, which Mm -hmm. is what it is. It's your own viciousness Mm -hmm. and it's disowned. That we all have, and we all have in a bunch of contexts, we have it for our spouses at times, for Mm -hmm. our children at times, Mm -hmm. for our friends, our siblings. (laughs) Right. And most of the time, we just pretend it's not there, except for in these windows where it's socially acceptable for it to come out. Right. And doing lower self-work is really about taking full responsibility for our energy, yeah. you know, and our, our negativity, like, and places where we think it's acceptable to discharge it onto others and actually going to your own pain instead of choosing to separate, you know, to dehumanize another person, to unleash your rage onto them. Yeah. Yeah. And I see the work as letting yourself feel it and experience it and move the energy, which is another core energetics jargon, but it can be as simple as squeezing your hand into a fist, you know, Mm -hmm. like to feel that rage and to not judge yourself for having it. And then to decide what you want to do in the real world. Right. Or on on social media. Or on social media. Right. Exactly. With your your partner or to Donald Trump or whoever. Right. But most of the time, like saying, I want to destroy somebody or I want to punish them or I want to hurt them is owning your lower self. Actually going out and doing it is not, you know? So when you attack somebody, you're giving free reign to that negativity to go on to another person, whether we're owning that energy in you is like, I want to attack you. I want to hurt you. I want to destroy you. That's like taking responsibility for your energy without doing it. And, you know, I don't think from where, how I think about it to just kind of peel away people's justification, but they have to, for doing it. You know, people don't want to give up the pleasure of a free ride on their, with their destruction. They don't want to, they get connection there. They get so much there, you know? Right. But I I think about myself and even like some of my social media, like I got into it with somebody recently on social media, Mm -hmm. total stranger. And it's like, it feels good and it feels bad. Right. At the same time where it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, in this instance, I felt righteous and, and angry, probably about something in my actual life, not Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do with the stranger and to kind of battle it out in the comments Mm -hmm. section. Yeah. There's a part that feels good about it. And then also after I felt kind of, I don't know, empty or icky or right yeah I know that feeling I've had that feeling too you know yeah so so many of us have felt that right yeah 
for everyone listening, like if you're kind of curious about where this might be showing up in your life, yeah, it's like think about something that kind of felt amazing and then there's like a hangover or something. Yeah. It has this like, I'm going to lick my chops, you know, I'm going to get you. I'm coming yeah. and I'm justified because you and I'm right. Terrible. Yeah. I'm right. You did yeah. something terrible. I'm going to let you have it. You know, people are on my side. And there's always a, yeah, it's like candy, you know, yeah. it's a certain yeah. kind of pleasure. And it's, yeah. but yeah, there is a, there is a hangover afterwards. Because why? Like, what is, what do you think the hangover is? <sighs> I don't know. It do, to me, it do, just doesn't feel peaceful <laughs> mm -hmm. afterwards. Doesn't feel, yeah, but I don't know what that is. Do you, do you have a sense? Well, probably like if that moment where you feel really righteous and charged, and you go to go after somebody, there's something else that's happening that you skip over, that we all skip over, mm -hmm. you know? Something vulnerable and painful or scary mm -hmm. or that's mm -hmm. young, you know? And that mm -hmm. we're, we're not in touch with. Right. And that whole thing that we do where we feel so righteous and we have all this energy in our body is a protection right. against that young, scared in pain thing that's coming up for us when we read whatever it is we're reading you know and in the yeah. comment section well, yeah. something's happening and in those moments like I try to stop like I, I know I personally feel it when people that I love think differently than me people I care about think differently than me about something you know like they think differently than me about vaccines, or they think differently than me about social justice, you know, I'm not into social justice, you know, so mm -hmm. a lot of people that I really care about are really into social justice. And I feel very threatened by the ways that we're different. You know, mm -hmm. how can I and and, and I notice that what's really underneath it for me is like, how can we be connected if we're not the same? Right. You know, I want to be the same as people. I, I had a, a mom who I was too attached to. She was too attached to me. And mm -hmm. so I learned relationship was a kind of merger. Right. You know, we're the same. And so when somebody I really care about is not the same as me in, in, in something, I feel very, very upset. But I don't go immediately to feeling how scared and upset it makes me that we're not the same. I go to wanting to attack them and wanting them to tell them they're stupid, you know, and that we, they should think like me. Right. Um, but what I've learned is to feel, to just stop and slow down and try to feel like what actually happens inside me when I feel like someone I care about is not the same as me. You know, it's and, and how scary that is for me and how much I fear losing a kind of connection with them there, you know, and not letting myself go into this delusion where I have to go after them. Right. So the hangover is 
that we didn't actually take care of what needed. There's a young part of us that actually needed love and care and right. That's right. Right. And we didn't do that. (laughs) Right. We just got into it with someone else. And you feel the the disconnection. That's what you end up feeling. You feel a kind of disconnected energy in yourself after you let yourself go in, just go into your lower self unconsciously, go into your trigger, into your self-righteous thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's painful. Yeah. And I think one of the complicated parts about it is part of it is accepting that we all have this. And then it's okay to hate somebody. Well, okay. this, but this is the goodness thing, right? Like you have to be able to know that you're a divine being having a human experience, <laughs> like that you're good, that everybody is good. Hitler, you know, Donald Trump, uh, Harvey Weinstein, you know, the guy that killed George Floyd, like everybody, everybody, you know, has a higher self. And if you don't wipe yourself out in any way there, then you can't really wipe out anybody else. You know, everybody gets included. Right. Because almost, I guess, another piece perhaps of the hangover is when you're letting yourself think someone else is evil, you also think a part of you is evil. Well, you start to become evil. (laughs) (laughs) is what happens you're doing yeah you're doing the thing you're condemning yeah you you leave your own humanity you blind yourself to their humanity and you leave your humanity and that's the thing you know it's painful to do that on some level to ourselves but it's also painful to feel our helplessness in the face of a world we can't control in a place where bad things happen and pain gets inflicted and people don't know what to do with it. So they try to create a perfect world, find good guys and bad guys, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not, yeah, make I'm it, not interested in that. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's a way forward. Yeah. It's messy. Our personal lives, our, our personal, like our closest relationships all the way up to countries and, you know, politics and all of it is, yeah, it's not black and white. There aren't good guys and bad guys. We're all complex and it would be easier maybe if we could, if it was more clear, good guys and bad guys. Yeah. Feel good to, you know, I, I, I find sometimes even in sessions with clients, part of what I'm doing is like, yeah, you feel you love this person and you hate them. Mm-hmm. Both today, you have both these feelings towards this person. Mm-hmm. What if that's okay? Like, yeah, it's okay to have multiple <laughs> mm-hmm. to hold your humanity, your complexity. And if you can, then you can see it in other people too. Ah, I love this. I, I don't know. We're kind of nerding out. And, and I think people are going to get a lot out of this, too. I think we have some nerds who listen to the podcast. So I think they're going to You mean it. by nerding out, you mean like getting really, I don't know, like going a little fast or like getting into really kind of core energetic specific stuff? Yeah, getting philosophical. And mm-hmm. it's not like even this podcast, it's almost like 
I feel like this episode is like a representation of the messiness and not like a one, two, three, this is what you do if you have a a lower self, which we all do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's not like, here are the three easy solutions. Mm -hmm. It's much. Yeah, I mean, you have to want to see, you have to want to see your lower self. And in order to see your lower self, you have to give up your pleasure in your negativity, you know? Mm -hmm. Like the, I would say that's the first step. It's like, are you willing to give up the pleasure you have in your negativity, in your withholding, in your punishing, in your, in your separating, yeah, in your righteousness? Yeah. Are you willing to give up all that pleasure and connection? Because people connect in their lower selves, especially online. You know, it's tribal and it's like, are you willing to give up that connection for something else? Something yeah. maybe more vulnerable. Yeah. Ah, well, I love I love it. I love this conversation. Is there anything else you want to say about the lower self as we wrap up here? Is there anything we didn't cover? I guess it's the most sacred part of Corngetics to me because mm-hmm. it's the bridge to people's pain. So if you go into your lower self, if you decide to really see then you're going to end up feeling the pain that you cut off from in childhood. You know, it takes a lot of bravery, but also you, you'll see that you can feel that pain and survive it. Like you get back a part of yourself that has been relegated to the shadows, you know, that has been, that's not integrated. And I think it's super fucking worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Even to use the, the simple example of me making money through people pleasing and then feeling the pain of not knowing how to make money another way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then learning to make money through being more authentic and not not people pleasing and 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 feeling the pain of that right <laughs> which sometimes is you know people don't agree or whatever right you have to feel the pain of that separation from those people. Like you're being with yourself, but it's painful to feel that people might not be with you there. Yeah. yeah. But also the groundedness and the having my own back and all of the other things that have come mm-hmm. and learning that I can be safe and have my you know, financial needs met on my terms. And it's an ongoing process, right? Like it's, you know, the yeah. people pleasing comes back and it's it, right. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, oh, now I'm healed or whatever completely. But the amount of energy more, because it's kind of like we were talking about those micro betrayals of ourselves and how those add up. And as you integrate the lower self, you stop <laughs> betraying mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And the amount of energy mm-hmm. that gives you back is just wild. Yeah, so true. So, yeah, it is painful and terrifying. Parts of it are terrifying. And what you get back is. I I think worth every moment of terror and every drop Mm -hmm. of pain. 
-hmm. yeah (laughs) that you have to go through yeah so yeah okay I love this thanks for having me on this friend asking me yeah Yeah, so if people want to stay connected with you or learn more about your group or working with you how can they connect let's see in all honesty they can't okay good (laughs) they they can't don't reach out to me (laughs) good to know good fun but don't reach out to me is my is my is my final word of uh yeah I feel very like I got a lot going on and I don't want anybody to reach out to me okay good to know exercise and boundaries right there yeah I love it okay well thank you so much thank you coming on and I'll see a dance place sometime soon yeah amazing bye If you resonated with this episode, I want to offer you a free private one-hour consultation with me. Through doing the deep inner work, my clients have been able to do things like quit the job they hate and land a job they love, or get their first paying clients in their dream business, and if they're a little bit further down the road, double their revenue. They've been able to fall in love and go to bed each night feeling satisfied and accomplished. In the consultation, we'll talk about what your dream looks like, what's getting in the way, and whether working together can help. Email me at brin at brinbamber.com to book.